Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the Heidi St. John podcast. As usual, this time of year, I am traveling. And tonight I'm coming to you from a rental house in Orlando, Florida, on the heels of opening night of the National Religious Broadcasters Association's annual convention. You guys, I got to hear Ron DeSantis light up the room tonight. I got a lot to talk about. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. All right, everybody. Well, thanks for tuning in today. Before I get started on my topic for today, which, by the way, is homemaking. We're going to talk a bit about homemaking because I'm hearing about it in the news and the trad wives and all that weirdness. I wanted to let you guys know what you can look forward to this week at the show. So I'm going to be interviewing really amazing people. Uh, My friend Mike Ferris uh, is coming on the show to talk about Convention of States with Mark Meckler. We'll be talking about that. I'll be interviewing Aaron Godfrey, and I'll be interviewing Pastor Lucas Miles. If you're not familiar with him, you need to be. He's the author of Woke Jesus. I bought that book when it came out. It's a phenomenal look at what's happening in the church as it relates to woke ideology. Uh, We were talking today, me and and, uh, Melissa, talking about Phil Vischer and some of the people that we've watched for a very long time in evangelicalism and in Christianity around the world going woke. It's really scary. I'll be interviewing David Rubin. You guys are not going to want to miss that. And also there's going to be Sherry Rigby is coming on the show. Anyway, all that to say, I will be podcasting live from the floor of the National Religious Broadcasters Association meeting. You guys are going to love it. This is going to be a fantastic week. All right. I want to jump into my topic today because I've been writing a couple of new workshop series. And I want to address the topic of homemaking because I'm following kind of a phenomenon. Are you guys following this? Are you following the trad wives? It's like kind of weird, but kind of wonderful. It's like this weird mix of weird and wonderful. And I worry a little bit that the trad wives, which is just the hashtag trad wives, right? This is the the move of the younger generation back to traditional roles of women at home, which I applaud. Absolutely. And we're going to talk about that because there's a really significant biblical basis for women being homemakers, for women being in the home. But I want us to be very careful that we don't go so far to one side, because remember what I'm always saying? The devil doesn't care what ditch he knocks you into so long as you're in a ditch. And so we could be in the ditch of, you know, the trad wives where, you know, we're we're home 24 hours a day and all of a sudden it's sin for a woman to work outside the home. And uh, and we start looking down on things that we previously had thought, oh, that's that's OK. Or we could be over in the other ditch, which is the moms are never home. The kids are being raised by the state in the public school system, blah, 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 blah. I want us to hear God's heart for the home and the role of a wife according to the Bible, is really to be focused on her husband and her children. And a lot of people don't like this, right? Because the modern feeling is that a wife can be a CEO, she can be a teacher, she can be a lawyer, uh, she can do anything she wants to be, she can have it all. And I'm not trying to hurt your feelings, but you can't have it all. And I mean, you can't have it all. No one can have it all. And motherhood is seasonal. And there are a lot of women listening to the show right now who are in the very beginning or the early years of mothering their children. And when I say the early years, I mean, your kids are zero to 12. That's still, I would consider the early years of mothering. Once your children reach the age of 12 or 13, I'm telling you what, it's like a snowball effect and things start to go really, really fast. But you've got those years, zero to 12, 
to really help cement your influence and more importantly, the influence of the word of God into the lives of your children. And so I want to talk about homemaking because God calls women to be homemakers. And we can see this very clearly in Titus 2, verses 1 to 5. So I'm going to read it to you. And then I'm going to talk about it a little bit because I know that there are lots of young moms listening to this and you're seeing women out in the workforce. Nothing wrong with women in the workforce. So this is not Heidi St. John saying it's wrong for a woman to be in the workforce. This is me saying, let's embrace God's priorities because God's priorities bring with them his blessing. So let's look at Paul's letter to Titus, starting in chapter two, verses one to five. But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. You guys have heard me talk about doctrine, doctrine being the thing that that is the foundation of our faith. It's the understanding of theological uh, interpretations of the Bible. It's, it's a basic understanding of theology. Doctrine is what forms our opinions that come from the word of God. And when I say opinions, some of them are opinion, meaning there are areas of liberty, but sound doctrine is, should be the basis for our faith, meaning we've studied God's word, we know what it says, and we live our life according to the word. Verse two, older men are to be sober-minded, dignified. There's a good word for today. Self-controlled, sound in faith and in love and in steadfastness. What would happen if our men were steadfast? I'm, I'm not gonna camp on this because it's not the topic of my show today, but wow, there's a name for a conference. Uh, older women, verse three, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good. And so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled, that the word of God would not be blasphemed, that the word of God would not be dishonored. That really important phrase at the very last part of uh, verse five, tells you why he said the whole thing in the first place, right? So whenever you see the word so that in the Bible, you got to circle those words and go, okay, the author of this passage is saying X, Y, and Z, so that, and then he'll tell you why I said the whole thing in the first place. So at the very end of this passage, Titus 2 verses 1 to 5, you can see why he wrote it. So that the word of God would not be maligned. So that the word of God would be followed. So that the word of God would be honored so that the word of God would be obeyed, so that the word of God would go forth into the next generation and bear the fruit that should come from following God and following his word. So God calls women to be homemakers. Let's look at this for a second. We are to teach what is good, to train our young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, to work at home. The King James version of that is to be keepers at home. We're gonna talk about that more in a minute. But God's heart is very, very clear that we are supposed to be keepers at home, working at home, among other things. Now, this doesn't mean, as some might argue, and I alluded to this at the top of the show today, that women shouldn't work or must not work outside the home. The Proverbs 31 woman comes to mind. That woman was everywhere. And she had servants. I've always been a little jealous. She had servants. And she was buying fields. And she was a businesswoman and she was discerning and she was even shrewd. She is the embodiment of wisdom, working hard within her home, but also she worked outside of her home. And God calls us to homemaking because it's no small matter. It's part of who God is. It's about building places 
where the kingdom of God on this earth can grow and flourish. And we've talked about this for years and years here at the show, that one of the most important things we do as women is to establish homes where Jesus Christ is honored, to be discipling our children, to be disciplining them, to be training them up in the nurture and admonition or the training of God. And God has a heart for the home. I heard Nancy Lee uh, Wolgamuth, Damas, say that God was a homemaker. And it kind of took me back a little bit. I was like, I don't know about that. So I started reading. And I read her book, which was, is excellent, by the way. I loved it. And she really talks about the fact that God is in the homemaking business. And it's not just God the Father. It's also God the Son who's a homemaker. So think about this. The night before his betrayal, Jesus said to his disciples, I go to do what? He's leaving them, right? He's telling them, I'm going to go to the cross and I'm, I have something that I'm doing. And he's trying to encourage them by these words. I go to do what? To prepare a place for you, which makes Jesus Christ the ultimate homemaker. Jesus said in John 14, verse two, in my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to what? Prepare a place for you that where I am, there you might be also. So to understand the heart of God, you guys, homemaking is in the heart of God. And he specifically in Titus and other passages in scripture calls women to this very important task. And your role Women as a homemaker is absolutely vital to the success of your family. It's absolutely vital. Homemaking is season specific. And so you need to know what season you're in because this is your responsibility as a woman. And guess what? Uh, It's not only for those women with children. We are called to be keepers at home as women. It's our responsibility. And keeping a godly home with excellence and loving our husbands and our children, this is our non-negotiable responsibility. Now, people will say, well, that's not true. You know, there there are women that work outside the home and the husbands stay home and work and uh, train up the children. And again, I'm not going to sit here and say that that guy is sinning, but I think it's very clear from scripture that the man's role in the family is to protect and to provide and to lead and the women's role at home the woman's role rather at home is to provide a nurturing environment for her family. And so radical feminism, of course, turned the idea of the Judeo-Christian values that we have always believed in as a nation for, for sure. And for hundreds and hundreds of years, absolutely on its head. And you have to understand a little bit about feminism to understand how absolutely demonic the feminist movement is. I have been talking to my girls lately about sort of my wardrobe and this fits, so hang with me. Uh, When I ran for Congress, I spent a lot of time in suit jackets and, you know, not like the Hillary Clinton pantsuit. I thought I had a better, (laughs) better vibe for fashion than that. But the idea is that as a woman, you can't go onto the floor of the House of Representatives or you can't go out into the business world unless you look like a man, unless you have a suit coat, unless you've got a tailored jacket. And I have been lately just thinking, I'm going to bring back a feminine twist to it. So really floral, beautiful blouses under 
a jacket or a more feminine approach because I think the feminist movement has done such damage to the role of women. God created us uniquely feminine. There are only two genders, male and female, and we have very different roles in the, in the culture according to God. And the ideas of radical feminism were a massive, a huge, important part of ancient Babylonian and Assyrian mythology, as well as of Greek Gnosticism, which, by the way, flourished throughout the Roman Empire during the New Testament times. And Paul comes up against that with the authority of God and says, no, this is not your role. This is not what you're supposed to do. Here is your role. This is what God created you uniquely to do. And of course, this teaching posed a constant danger to the early church. And modern feminism is not new. It's not progressive. It is age old. It is demonic. It is regressive in nature. And when we misunderstand our role as homemakers, we misunderstand what God wants to do. Our role as a homemaker is absolutely vital to our success at home. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Absolutely success. So you gotta you you gotta ask yourself. So what is homemaking? This this question comes up all the time. Well, homemaker, of course, made up of two words: home and maker. And so the answer to what is a homemaker is that the homemaker is the one who makes the home. Well, then the next question has to be, well, then what makes a home? So lean in, young women. For Christian homemakers, the question is, what does the Bible say about our homes? And what guidance does God's word give us for becoming a biblical homemaker? And so you got to understand there's a difference between a homemaker and a housewife. The Bible says in Proverbs 3, verse 33, the Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the home of the righteous. Notice that the writer of this verse in Proverbs says that the Lord's curse is on a house inhabited by wicked people, but the place that's blessed and inhabited by the righteous is not called a house. It's called a home the home of the righteous. The wicked live in houses, but the righteous live in homes. So what's the difference? Well, a house is just a building, but a home is an atmosphere created within the walls of our house. A house can be bought, but a home must be built. A home must be cultivated. And God gives women this very unique desire we call it nesting, right? When we're pregnant. And I've had seven babies and gone through lots of periods of just, you know, where I'm nesting and getting ready to bring a little baby into the home. And actually, it's funny. I always launch into full nesting mode whenever I leave for a trip. So right now I'm in Orlando and I had a, a very short amount of time off. Well, off. I was working, but I wasn't traveling last week. Lots and lots of things going on. The laundry was kind of getting backed up. Unfortunately, my washing machine broke. So the rinse cycle's not working. So what happens is 
the you know the washing machine sort of fills up, but then the spin and the rinse cycle doesn't work, so the clothes are are sopping wet. You guys know what I'm talking about. It's not wringing them out. And before I left to get on a plane to come to Orlando, like the entire day before, I was just frantic to get the laundry done. I mean, thank goodness we live with my with my mom in love, and so she has her own washer and dryer downstairs, and so um, she was gracious enough to help me. But I didn't want to leave my house feeling undone. It's my responsibility. That is that is the domain that God has given me as a woman jurisdiction over. Does that make sense? So jurisdiction meaning the place where I have authority. And that authority has been given to women by the Lord. A house becomes a home when the Lord is the Lord of the home. And cultivating the spiritual health of a family is absolutely essential to being a homemaker. So our priority women should be the home. Let's go back. Let's look at Titus 2 verses 4 and 5 again. Then then they can urge the younger women to love their husbands and children and to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home, to be kind, to be subject to their husbands so that no one will malign the word of God. There's that, so that, right? Homemakers don't need to spend all their time at home. That's a falsehood. That's a legalistic uh, application of this verse. And legalism hurts the message of the gospel, by the way. So before you guys get, you know, your uh, your ponytail wound too tight, it doesn't mean that you have to spend all your time at home or even that you can't work out of your home. I know lots of wonderful women who work out of their home. And I worked nights, some of you may not know this, for many years at a hospital uh, in a children's emergency room. And that was how I supported our family while my husband was establishing his uh, career as a pastor. And so homemakers don't need to spend all the time at home, but your home, and you should write this down, should be your primary focus. It should matter to you. What kinds of meals are your, is your family eating? Do Is it a place of respite for your husband and your children? Uh, I would argue that home and family should be the primary focus for every Christian parent, because again, it's got nothing to do with the culture. We want to know what does God want? And the Proverbs 31 woman didn't spend all her time at home, right? Like we said a minute ago, she was buying and selling land. She was taking goods to the marketplace, but everything she did, and this is really important, was in service to her family. So she earned money in service to her family. She worked to provide for her family. So our primary role on this earth as women, the first thing you want to do is serve the Lord. So whatever we do, it should bring honor and glory to the Lord. It's part of the reason why I love ministry so much. I love working for the kingdom. And we have that opportunity uh, as Christian women to be able to do both of those things. The next thing I want you to remember is that your attitude is going to absolutely set the tone in your home. It can make or break it. And the Lord sees your heart. And so what we do within those four walls of our home really does show what's in the walls of our hearts. And motherhood and homemaking and all of it is absolutely sanctifying, meaning it should draw us closer to relationship with the Lord. And as we endeavor to be keepers at home, we need to remember that homemaking is an art that's worth excelling at, but not catch this because it's really important, not to the point of idolatry. So we want to create a warm, wonderful, welcoming environment for our family, keeping our houses clean, learning to cook good meals. I told you guys, I can't wait for my speaking season to wind down because 
my husband's going to build me a chicken coop and I'm really excited about it. I really am. I told you I love making sourdough bread. If God hadn't called me to what I'm doing, and most of my kids are grown, our number six here is graduating, you guys, coming up June 3rd. Oh, my word. Uh, I just love being home. I think that's the heart of God for women. And the feminist movement, again, has just absolutely come against God. I love making these those first-time discoveries with our kids. Homemaking teaches us life lessons. It teaches us that uh, we can have a safe place to fail. How many of you guys have made a, a meal that you just failed at? You cooked something and it just didn't turn out, or you made that loaf of bread and it fell flat. You got to go back and do it again. Or you washed the darks with the lights and you stained your, your favorite white shirt. You learned something. You do to get, Homemaking is sanctifying. And it's also shaping and teaching the worldviews of our children because the lens through which our kids see the world starts at home. Because who puts that glasses, who puts those glasses on our kids? Women do. Women do. We are actually shaping the culture. We're shaping the culture. William Wallace, who lived from 1819 to 1881, said famously that the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. He wrote this poem, which bears that title, Blessings on the Hand of Women. Angels guard its strength and grace in the palace, cottage, hovel. Oh, no matter where the place, would that storms never assailed it, rainbows ever gently curled. For the hand that rocks the cradle is the hand that rules the world. Infancy's the tender fountain, power may with beauty flow. Mothers first to guide the streamlets, from them, Souls unresting grow, grow on for the good or evil, sunshine streamed or evil hurled, for the hand that rocks the cradle is the hand that rules the world. Woman, how divine your mission here upon our natal sod. Keep, oh, keep the young heart open always to the breath of God. I love that he's talking about keep your kids' hearts open to what God would say. All true trophies of the ages are from mother love impearled, for the hand that rocks the cradle is the hand that rules the world. Blessings on the hand of women, fathers, sons, and daughters cry, and the sacred song is mingled with the worship in the sky. Mingles where no tempest darkens, rainbows evermore are hurled, for the hand that rocks the cradle is the hand that rules the world. Women, you have a tremendously important job. God's heart for you is that you would gain wisdom and build your home. Don't tear it down. Watch over your home, manage your home, keep your home. It is your job. God has given it specifically to you. And the hand that rocks the cradle really is the hand that rules the world. I hope you guys are encouraged in your role today. And for the men who are listening to this, Tell your wife you love her. Encourage her in the gifts that God has given her to be a keeper at home and give her the tools that she needs to do it. My friend Steve Lambert always used to say to me that he felt like his primary role while his young daughters were growing up was to provide his wife with the tools that she needed to do her job successfully. So if she said, man, I'm, I'm really 
I want to learn how to make a, you know, a chicken casserole, but I don't have a nine by 11 Pyrex dish. That was his job to go out and make sure she either had the money or she had the item and thereby making her life um, a blessing to him because he was providing that. So you guys, let's look at God's heart for the family. Women are called to be keepers at home. There really is a blessing and the blessing is found inside the boundaries that God has set for us. I appreciate you guys listening. If you haven't yet signed up for the new study that's coming out next month, we are going to be taking some time to study the names of God and how important it is that God reveals himself in his name. And it's kind of an amazing study. You guys are going to love it. You can sign up at faiththatspeaks.com. And I want to encourage you also continue to pray for us. We will be getting some news one way or the other this week with regard to the purchase of our brand new building. If you want to see us advance in this thing that God has asked us to do, please pray for us. Uh, you can support the mission monthly by going to FPF Grow. That's Firmly Planted Family Grow, G-R-O-W dot com. That's where you can find out how you can support the nonprofit organization financially. Please pray for us. We covet your prayers and be praying for me this week as I'm out here on the floor at the National Religious Broadcasters Annual Convention. And then right after that, I'm actually going to be doing double time. On Thursday, I will be working uh, podcasting from the floor of NRB. And Thursday afternoon, I'll be heading over at two o'clock to give uh, a session for the Leader Summit for the Parent, uh, parent Educators of Florida, FPEA, the uh, Florida Parent Educators Association, one of my favorite homeschool conferences in the nation. And then I will be opening the conference, keynoting on Thursday night with John Lovell. You guys are not going to want to miss it. It's going to be a fantastic opportunity. So pray for us. We've got a really busy week ahead of us. We love you guys. Thank you so much for listening. And I'll see you right back here again at the intersection of faith and culture.